Well, the epistle for this Palm Sunday is from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. It's Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, if you care to follow along in your Bible. It says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born into human likeness, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does it mean to be Christ-like? More and more I am coming to the realization That being like Christ requires that I be more intentional about setting myself aside. See, in my natural state of mind, I tend to focus on me, on my wants and my needs. And this behavior is far from Christ-like. But if I'm intentional about my relationships with others and intentional about modeling myself in Christ's image, then I allow the Holy Spirit to move me in the direction of the cross. See, it's all about attitude. Am I all about me? Or do I put the needs of others ahead of my own? And in this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he says that I think best of all. He says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, If being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. 
think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. And having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he was selfless. He lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. And because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything. So that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. God gave Jesus the name that is above every name. See, names are important to God. Names mean things. The scriptures contain several examples of God changing people's names after they have an encounter with him. Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. Jacob became Israel. Saul became Paul. Simon became Peter. When a person in the Bible underwent transformation because of a life-changing experience with the living God, God sometimes renamed them to show that they had become a different person, a new creation, and that they had been called to something new. And even if God doesn't rename each of us, the Bible says that he calls each of us by name. That's an amazing thought if you stop and think about it. God Almighty, maker of the universe, the one who numbered the stars and spun the planets and moons into orbit. That immense God knows your name. And not just knows your name, but he wants to have a personal relationship with you individually. And he's calling you, drawing you near to him, always. And he is inescapable. There is nowhere you can go where God is not. 
See, God not only knows your name, but He is always aware of you and your circumstances. Consider the words in David's psalm, Psalm 139. David's psalm is a prayer about the inescapable presence of God. It's David acknowledging that God knows him, that God knows him by name, uniquely, individually, just like he knows you. And prayer is such an amazing thing. We have been given access to our Creator. Do you fully comprehend that? When we pray, our words are not just drifting up to a place in the clouds somewhere. No, when we pray, our God is there beside us, in front of us, behind us, present with us, fully engaged in the conversation. Listen for the word of God as I pray David's prayer. And see just how close God is to you. If you listen, God will speak to you. And it's not loud. It's not thunder. It's a whisper. A hint of a whisper. God doesn't have to shout. Because he's close. He whispers because he's close. Let's pray. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts even when they are far away from you. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot contain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. 
The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. And I am still with you. Amen. Oh, that we could all write like David. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God knows your name. And when you know Jesus, the name that is above all names, then your name is written on the palms of his hands. In Wednesday night Bible study, we are studying the Gospel of John. And we have learned the I am statements of Jesus. One of the I am statements is, I am the good shepherd. And it's in that passage about the good shepherd that we see this personal relationship between our Lord Jesus and us, whereupon he knows our name. In John 10, it says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, And leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger. But they will run from a stranger because they do not know the voice of strangers. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. For the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. 
I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Jesus is saying, I know your name. I know your name. And if you listen, you'll recognize who you truly belong to. I'm the good shepherd who is willing to lay down my life for you. No one takes my life from me. I give it freely. My blood was not spilt. It was poured out for you. I know your name. And I took it to the cross with me. Along with all of your sins. And if you believe on me. I will share my resurrection with you. And your name will be written in the book of life. And I will speak your name to God the Father. And you will be welcome in the kingdom forever. No second death for you. Only life and life abundant. God knows your name. He does not desire that you should perish in the fires of hell. So he sent Jesus. And if you invite Jesus in, then Jesus will know your name just as a shepherd knows his sheep. You see, eventually, everyone will know the name of Jesus. The name that is above all names. And every knee will bow. Believer Unbeliever, saved, unsaved, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. The difference is that those that know Jesus now on this side of death are rewarded with everlasting life with him. Those that wait, well, they get to experience eternity also. But it's a far different eternity. One that none of us wants to experience. Total isolation and separation from God. God knows your name. Spend time with Him this week. Examine your relationship with Jesus. Make sure He knows your name because you have a relationship with Him. Names are important to God, especially yours, and especially Jesus' name. Because His is the only name by which we must be saved. In the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit.
Amen.